Today's gospel passage reminds us, perhaps, of why it's important that we have scripture study, various translations that we can turn to if we can't uh, read the original Greek or, or, or original languages, because there are a few things that are translated that might, we might realize that um, are translated differently in other places. Uh, one you might think of is, is today when, Jesus, uh, when Peter approaches Jesus and says, how often must I forgive? We have, well, not seven times, but 77 times. Or some have heard not seven times, but seven times, 70 times. And so they want to make that 490. Unfortunately, that's not the way, that's, that would be a literal translation of the Greek, but that's not the way Greek math works. Uh, seven times, 70 times is seven times plus 70 times, or 77 times, so we have it translated. Rather, there is another place where uh, I think it's important for us to turn to another translation or, or, or at least the original uh, Greek, if those that are able to. But first, Peter must have thought he was rather bold in coming up with this answer. How many times must I forgive? Seven times? The Talmud, uh, which is the scripture uh, interpretations and commentary of the Jewish people, the Jewish rabbis, I forget when this Talmud was written, but it was fairly standardized by the time of Jesus. They said, well, the rabbi said you have to forgive three times. If you forgave three times, that was sufficient. So Peter, saying, realizing the Lord was inviting them to become uh, more forgiving than, than uh, normal, Peter, seven times. And Jesus, no, seven times is not enough either. Seventy-seven times. And perhaps Jesus' point is, I want you to forgive so much that you lose count of how many times you're forgiven. I want you to, to forgive so many times that you forget whether it's 70 or 71 or maybe 490. To forgive and forgive as much as you need to until it's complete. And let's be honest, forgiveness isn't always a one-and-done uh, proposition. Sometimes it takes a long time, time and time again, that we need to forgive. So Jesus tells this parable of this wicked servant who comes in before his master, comes in and, and the master uh, realizes that this man has what we have translated here, a huge debt. Now, this is where I think it's important for us for scripture study, because the actual Greek gives us the actual amount. Now, at first, it might not mean a whole lot to you, but the actual amount is 10,000 talents. A talent is a, uh, a weight of gold or silver, and most likely uh, a reference to a coinage, a monetary value. A talent is worth about 10,000 days' wages. This man owes his master 100 million days' wages. If you want to kind of get, get it in your head, imagine about $100 for a daily wage. He owes this man $10 billion. Now that is in finite amount, but when it comes to paying back a debt, and especially on a, uh, a worker's, because he's not going to get a high-ranking, high-paying job, uh, on, on the average minimum wage job of digging ditches or begging or whatever, 
10 billion dollars, 100 million days, 330 some thousand years of salary. There's no way this man can pay it back. And one could make the case he should not have incurred that debt in the first place. That's a conversation we could have later, you know, with when, as we see, mounting debt and, and uh, federal spending and, and college debt and all those things. But, but for now, let's just leave that, set that aside. But this man has racked up an incredible debt, a debt so much that there, there is no way he can pay it back. And he begs the master, don't sell me into prison. Don't sell my wife, my children, my land, my house. Don't give it away. I will pay you back. Ten billion dollars? Couple lifetimes? There's no way this man can pay it back. Even if he had 3,000 lifetimes. So the master has pity and forgives. But then he goes and sees a fellow servant, this wicked servant. And in the translation we have, he owes him a much smaller amount. The amount is actually given. It's a hundred days wages, a hundred denarii. Now, a hundred days wages would be difficult to pay back, but it's possible. It's possible that he could have been paid back in full in a year or two. And he begs the same way that the wicked servant begs, he begs much smaller amount. If you're doing the math, it's a one millionth of an amount. One millionth of what this man just had forgiven, and he throttles him and throws him into prison. Notice the master comes back when he hears about it, calls the wicked one in, and I forgave you debt because you begged me so. Notice the master does not forget the debt. He forgave the debt. There is a difference. So often we live in a world that tells us in order to, to, to truly forgive, you have to forget. Or, or if, you're, if you forgive, forgive once, that means you set aside, you forget that the debt was ever raised, and, and the next time something happens, you're not supposed to bring it up. Well, that's a lie, and I, I, I would say it's a lie from the bowels of hell itself. Because that's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is saying, I choose not to collect on the debt, but also... I'm going to be wise next time and not let you incur a debt, a further debt. So this master, if he would have forgiven this man of his $10 billion of debt, he would not have said, I'm not going to give you, he would have said, I'm not going to give you another red cent. That's it. You're not trustworthy with money. I'm not going to give you any more. That's forgiveness. Because it is forbidding the person from incurring any more debt. The master throws a man into prison, paying back what is impossible to pay back. Now, when we uh, take this parable and realize that it's God is the master and we are the servants, we begin to see something. That we, as human beings, incur not a limited amount of $10 billion of debt, but an infinite amount, because God is infinite, infinitely good. And every sin is an infinite wound against God's mercy, God's love, God's forgiveness. Every, every sin we do is infinite against him. Little or big, it doesn't matter. It's infinite. And yet God in his mercy forgives us when we beg him. God in his mercy 
gives us the forgiveness of our sins that we ask. If we ask. Because God not only is, is just, but he is good and forgiving, full of compassion. And yet, we turn around and then throttle, well, maybe not physically, but certainly emotionally, we throttle those that sin against us a much smaller amount for the little words, the hurtful words, the hurtful deeds, the little slams, the little bits of gossip, the, the, uh, sometimes the physical things that, that endured, uh, the, the crime, the violence, and all those things. Yes, they're serious. I'm not minimizing them, but compared to what we do with God, they're little. And we hold on to them. And as we hear in today's first reading, wrath and anger uh, are, are terrible things, and yet the sinner clutches them to their chest. I had the image come to me this last week as I was reflecting on this, that sometimes this unforgiveness is kind of like a huge hewn rock that is not smooth. It's got rough, jagged edges jutting out in weird positions. And for the sinner, for the person who is unforgiving, they hug that rock and it's so heavy they can't carry it, but they try to. And they hug that rock. The more they hug that rock, the heavier it gets. And the heavier it gets, the more they need to put it towards their chest. And the more they pull it towards their chest, the more it hurts them. The more it hurts them, the heavier it gets. The heavier it gets, the more they hold it. The more they hold it, the more they hurt. And the cycle continues and continues until they realize, I can't carry this load any longer. There's a grace in that moment where they realize, I can't carry it any longer. And when they let it go, there's a grace there that heals. There's a grace there that says, I finally can forgive. It's not saying that the debt was okay. It's not saying that I'm all right to go ahead and do it again. But what it is saying is, I'm not going to collect. It's not mine to collect. And ultimately, what it's saying is that if this debt needs to be repaid, God will repay it. God will be the one who makes it all okay. He will make it come out. How can we expect God to forgive us if we can't forgive each other? How can we expect God to forgive us if I'm holding on to that little pebble, perhaps, of what somebody has done to me? How can I be forgiven if I don't forgive. See, it's not easy. And as already said, it comes back and back and back again. I'm debating, and not today, but I'm debating one of these weekends where it's appropriate I might share my full story of my father's relationship. And to call it a relationship is an understatement. It's not, uh, not good at all. But I've come to the point where I know every time I think about it, I have to forgive. This week I had, a, had a, a, a terrible thought of his death and what am I going to do? And it's a th- something that I haven't uh, not thought about before. But this week it caused complete terror. Maybe it's because the first time I thought about it since my mom's death. What am I going to do? He's completely unforgiving, but I forgive him. I've asked and begged for repentance, uh, for, for forgiveness from him, for whatever fault it is he sees in me, whatever fault it is that he has against me. To be honest, uh, I've done enough uh, praying about it and talking about it with uh, professionals that there's ultimately not much that I've done except exist. 
And yet I have to forgive and forgive and forgive. And each time I think, well, that's it. I've forgiven completely. It comes back again. And I have to forgive. Each time it comes back, I have to say, this is a boulder I'm not going to carry. This is a stone that's not mine to carry. I need to unite it to Jesus Christ and his cross. That knowing that is forgiven there. See, and I've said it before, to hold on to unforgiveness limits my eternity. There is no unforgiveness in heaven. Everyone in heaven has forgiven completely, totally, whether it's three times or seven times or 77 times or 490 times, 300,000 times, 100 million times, 10 billion times. It doesn't matter that we, each time we find that unforgiveness, we let it go, knowing that to hold on to it, all it does is hurt us. All, it doesn't hurt the other person at all. They have their own stuff to deal with. And we have to remember that forgiveness doesn't mean there's going to be full reconciliation, certainly not immediately. If the other person is unrepentant, if the other person doesn't understand the, the wound that they've caused, there can't be reconciliation. But there can be forgiveness. Because forgiveness doesn't depend on the other person. It depends on the person who's been wounded. Repentance depends on the other person. The other person being willing to forgive and being willing to seek reconciliation. When that repentance is there, reconciliation is possible. As we gather this day, we ask, we ask the Lord to help us to forgive and forgive and forgive doesn't matter how many times. Ultimately, it's irrelevant. St. Peter may have had a little bit of pride in asking the question in the first place. Because, again, every sin against God is infinite. And God stands always ready to forgive. The sin we commit against God is always forgiven if we ask. And we have to ask. But because God is good... He immediately offers us forgiveness. And he has no need for repentance. We do. And so once we repent, there's reconciliation. This is the beauty of our faith, what we believe. This is the beauty of what Christ has wrought on the cross. This is the beauty of true forgiveness. This day, if we have anything in our hearts, let us learn to forgive, to let it go to let go of the anger, the wrath, the unforgiveness, the hatred, whatever it is. I tell you, life is so much better when you let it go.